0: Join us on Sunday, April 11th, for a very special Satellite Sisters virtual event to celebrate 20 years of sisterhood. All five sisters, Julie, Liz, Leanne, Monica, and Sheila, will share stories and recollections. There'll be an interactive audience quiz, Q&A, and lots of laughs, and probably a few tears. Because this is Satellite Sisters.
1: <laughs> Thanks to our friends at Sixth and I for hosting this event. For more information and tickets, visit SatelliteSisters.com and click on the awesome celebration graphic right there on the homepage. Okay, let's do this together, sisters. Three, two, one. Bring, Bring in your satellite, satellite, satellite sister. You.
0: And, <laughs> and we'll see, we'll you, see, there. see you there. <laughs>
1: You're
0: listening to Satellite Sisters. Great to be with you today. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer, a producer, and I'm really looking forward to a conversation we're having later with our cousin Hannah Kirshner, Liz. Nice to have another family member on the air.
1: With it us. is. It is. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm here in Santa Monica uh, in my second bedroom doing okay. Julie is not here today. She had an important important engagement, but she'll be back next week. So it's nice to have another member of the family, Hannah Kirshner, who we already had booked anyway. So we're good. We're good. That's right. Yeah. Hannah is a writer and artist. She has a
0: beautiful new book out called Water, Wood, and Wild Things about moving to a small mountain town in Japan and learning the craft and the ways of the artisans. So we're going to talk to her about that. And the whole show, actually, Liz, is travel related. We were inspired by Hannah's book because it does transport you to this small mountain town. And that's where we all want to be now. Someplace (laughs) else that's not our house. (laughs) And So today we're devoting the show to some travel related items, including Liz, your fantasy vacation segment.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I've been thinking about like, who knows when this will be, not this year, but when these times come, where would I really want to go? And I have what it's sort of a March Madness bracket, Leanne, about mm-hmm. how I'm narrowing down, narrowing down, narrowing down my choices. So I'll tell you about that. And then listeners in the Facebook group also had a lot of fantasy vacations that are on their minds.
0: Great! I'm good. I can't wait. I, ha- I have a couple of spots I'm going to reveal today too. All right, then our entertaining sisters is also travel themed. We have some TV shows and some cookbooks that, if you want to be taken away, we have some um, some mentions for that. And then uh, we want to tell you more about our live event in Washington D.C. on Sunday, April 11th. Tickets are mm. flying out the door, Liz. Flying, flying out the door. We, can't we cannot
1: believe how many tickets you are <laughs> buying. We are so happy. <laughs> And also my paperback version of the Sweeney sisters
0: is coming out in a couple of weeks. So I need to activate the satellite sisters street team to help me do some, um, some marketing. So if you've ever wanted to do book marketing, now's your chance.
1: Stay, t- <laughs> stay tuned. But <laughs> okay. okay. first Liz, what's happening at your end there? Well, I want to start, you know, I've been trying to do a little victory every week because here I am, I got the broken knee, the broken leg. I'm still, you know, pretty much housebound. Uh, but my occupational therapist, Sage, told me that I should focus on little victories every day. So I'm trying to think about that and share some of those with you. First of all, here here was an insight. The I was referring to my left leg as my bad, my bad leg, like when I was talking to her, like my bad leg, my good leg. And she said, don't say that, Liz. That's your healing leg. And I was like, that must be why your name's Sage, right? (laughs) Because that, that is a deep thought. Don't, don't, it's not, the the leg is not bad. It's not the leg's fault. The leg is healing. Anyway, but my little victory was actually, I've told you that because there are four steps from my dining area and really from all of my apartment down into a sunken living room, I hadn't been in my living room since (laughs) December. I cannot get down those steps. But Sage was here working with me this weekend. I got down the steps. I got across the living room. I went out onto my little balcony, Leon, and I said, hello to the people. (laughs) Liz, that is a big mood booster, getting outside on
0: your balcony. You actually have a little sliver of a water view. Yes. (laughs) If if the moon is right and there's not too much smog or fog in Los Angeles, it's just a pleasant place to sit. I'm proud of you. That's great.
1: Thank you. I realize because I spend a lot of time out on my balcony because my grill is out there. So my neighbors see me out there a lot in the evening. And I thought they're really wondering where did she go? Because they literally haven't seen me at all. Even when I go to PT, you know, I'm getting in and out of your car or my car in the garage. So I'm exiting secretly coming back secretly anyway i just wanted them to see i was alive so i did and that was my little victory of the week making it down those four steps and out onto my own balcony so it was uh it was it was a big big accomplishment okay
0: liz fantastic that's great i'm glad to hear that i really am i'm glad i mean because i remember you know six weeks ago saying, you're going to make it out onto that balcony, Liz, and you did it.
1: I did it. I'm not sure I need to do it every day, and I can't do it alone. (laughs) It wouldn't be safe for me to attempt that. Yeah. No grilling? You're not going to be grilling and chilling this weekend? No, no. But I did it. That's my little victory. There you go. But Leanne, you had a huge day today, so I wanted to hear about what's going on on your end.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've traveled the world today because uh, this morning I went into a film studio where we recorded interviews um, with the International Women of Courage. Now, I've explained on the show that I work on this project every year in partnership with the U.S. Department of State. I belong to an NGO called American Women for International Understanding. And we host an event every year for these incredible women that the State Department picks and vets and brings to the U.S. And we, our organization is small but mighty. And we raise money for them and we give them grants to continue their work. And normally, it's a really lovely in-person event. Well, everyone knows those aren't happening this year. So we've had to put together a virtual event. And we're very lucky that uh, we have a great production company here in Los Angeles that has volunteered a tremendous amount of time and resources to help set us up. And then we have Lisa Ling, the journalist who has been associated with our organization for a couple of years. She said, sure, I'll interview these women if you want me to. That's
1: so great. She's oh, so perfect for that gig.
0: Oh my gosh. And so, and that sounds great. But the, the women are living in places like Burma and the Paul and Somalia. These are hard, uh, Venezuela. Uh, yeah, these are yeah. hard places to connect to with intermittent internet and either like Venezuela doesn't even have a U.S. embassy. It's going to be late at night. So setting up these five interviews was quite a project with many, many meetings. But thanks to the State Department and a great technical advisor, Leslie, who's working with us, we did it. So today, first of all, is I had to get up and
1: get out of the house by, se- by you quarter of seven. Oh you actually God. went to a studio? I thought, I was hearing air quotes around going to the studio, yeah. but no, for reals, you went to a studio.
0: Yeah, I mean, just strapping into my third love bra was like, here we go. I mean, we're getting up and we're getting out. I almost forgot to walk the dog. I'm like, I haven't done this in a year, actually left and gone to a studio. But it was, it was so moving and mesmerizing. We spoke to two nurses, one of whom is a nurse and advocate who advocates for healthcare worker rights in Venezuela. One is a nun and a nurse who works, um, she works in Israel and she does sort of cross-cultural Nursing, and you know, nurses and nuns, they're all always so nice. So she was great. <laughs> you know, we spoke to a judge in Guatemala that handles like the trickiest organized crime cra- cases there, where, you know, at any moment her life is at risk and all the victims' lives are at risk. Uh, we spoke to another human rights lawyer in Sri Lanka who works on behalf of the disappeared, you know, I mean, we, that's a country where people just disappear and their family members have no idea what's happened to them and the government gives them no information. And then we talked to a, a woman who was a chess champion from Iran and, um, she went to the world championships and she just in, in Shanghai and she decided to not wear her, her headscarf or hijab to, she was just tired of it. She said, We're tired of it. Women don't want to wear these things anymore. And so now she hasn't been left, you know, she hasn't been left back in Iran. So these women had such dramatic stories. Did mm-hmm. I cry, Liz? You bet I cried. I mean, well, you bet I cried, you know? It's just amazing what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And Lisa Lang, Lisa was so perfect and so professional. And she's in the middle of, of, of shooting her season of CNN you know this uh, this is Lisa Ling this yeah. is life with Lisa Ling yeah so she came and she was prepared and Oh, my gosh! It was just so moving and mesmerizing and in a couple of interviews, we had to use Spanish translators to you know keep the interviews going, and she was still able to connect with the women so it was just a pleasure to sit there and listen to these women 's stories in their own voices, you know say mm-hmm. and the, the work they do is so amazing, so it makes me feel bad when I complain about having to get up at seven a m <laughs> yes right what 's that into perspective but very buoyed like we got a lot of great material today we're going to put together a dynamite one hour show um there will be links at satellite sisters if you're interested in buying tickets it's at the end of april it is a ticketed event and the money goes to the women so um so it's it's not cheap it's a it's really a donation to support these women i'll say that but um but if any satellite sisters are interested we'll put a link at the website to the ticketing but it was just a privilege to sit there and watch that i just really appreciated it everybody working hard state department embassies all over the world lisa ling production company in los angeles the caterer you know bj's restaurant bringing the catering we appreciate we appreciated it all. So it was fun. It was fun to be out in the world, Liz. That's great. It was great. fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. Good for you. That's hard work, but it also sounds like a, a mood lifter for everyone involved. So It is.
0: Yeah. It's very yeah. satisfying, yeah. very satisfying this year. And I've learned so much. You know, this is not really what I do, global television events. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why not? You can do it. Apparently I can, because <laughs> I wrote it and- Lisa Ling just said every word I wrote. She didn't change one word. I'm like, well, I, I guess that's okay then. If she's not changing anything, that's good.
1: So. She's such a pro. If it wasn't good, she would have changed it, I'm sure. Thank you,
0: Liz. That's yeah. what I thought. That's what I thought. But um, so it's a, it's been a fun sort of professional experience for me too, even though I'm a volunteer. It's expanded my, my professional resume a little bit, which I've okay. enjoyed.
1: I really enjoyed. Oh. Well done. Congratulations. Well, that's some meaningful, real work you're doing in the real world to lift people up. I, on the other hand here, a prisoner in my home, have mainly been dreaming of future fantasy vacations, Leanne. You know, I wrote um, an edition of Pep Talk about this a few weeks ago, where I explained that this has become like my new hobby at home, just Googling around, thinking about if I could go anywhere, not actually planning vacations, just fantasizing about it. So I developed this March Madness style bracket to help me narrow my choices. Like, do I want to go to the city versus the country? Uh, Winter versus summer? Do I want to go back to a place that's an old favorite or have a new adventure? How about beach house versus boutique hotel there are many big decisions I have to make in my fantasy life right do I want is this about dining at a restaurant run by a top chef star versus cooking over an open fire in the wildland? so so (laughs) so so many choices so um so I've narrowed it down to two that um and this is what I posted in the Facebook group one is swimming with turtles with sea turtles in Costa Rica because you know sea turtles and me. And, uh, I, actually, I actually googled where can you swim with sea turtles <laughs> and the top three places on the list I have already been to and swum with the sea turtles. Wow, Liz. Because remember Galapagos, yes. sea turtles. Yeah. Yep. yeah, uh, Indonesia, sea turtles. Oh. And where was the third one? Great was Barrier there? Reef, you went Great there. Barrier Reef, sea turtles. All right. Yeah. So Costa Rica was next on the list. So, okay, so that's choice number one. And choice number two is, you know, eating my way through Italy with Stanley Tucci. And of course, the Stanley Tucci part is really the fantasy part of that. I'm not sure how I book Stanley Tucci, but those those are the two choices that I'm playing with now. So, you know, and t- just for fun, just for me, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Got not getting on an airplane. I've got the healing leg issue. Mm-hmm. I'm not vaccinated. Lots of reasons why I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. But a girl can dream, Leanne. Sure. I- well, we're going to put a link to an
0: article from the Wall Street Journal, even though it's behind a paywall, but we'll try it, um, about, like, really where can you go and what can you do? Because, mm-hmm. as you said, the CDC is still is – still, um, it's not, it's, it's easing travel restrictions, but they don't really want you to travel anywhere, (laughs) even if you're vaccinated, like, there aren't very many places in the world you can go right now in 2021, but uh, um, we'll put an article, we'll put a link to an article there. Cause you know, we want to be sure everyone's safe. That's always safe. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't add us. This is a fa- fantasy vacation. <laughs> <It's like that. laughs>
1: Did okay. any of the rules surprise you? They're all pretty obvious, right? Well,
0: you know, one thing to, you kind of forget is that, you know, Kids can't get vaccinations right right now. Yes. So if you're you can't really travel with children because they they can't get vaccinations. And really, no one wants Americans. There's only three countries right now that are uh, even accepting Americans. It's one is Belize. Mm. Let me.
1: I, I just God, had. They've awesome got sea trip. turtles.
0: They, you can go there:
1: Iceland, the yeah.
0: Seychelles, and the country of Georgia. Uh, oh
1: no, no. Okay,
0: <laughs> okay, and then uh thailand for example may also lift its mandatory quarantine restrictions but a lot of places but like europe you're not going to europe this year so just forget again fantasy fantasy
1: so what would your fantasy choices be liam
0: okay i've been thinking a lot about this because i feel like it's time we can do it um i really would love to see uh the northern lights i would like to see them in person i kind of like to go to the arctic circle so i'd like to go way up in norway Oh I'd like to like go to Norway, uh, Scandinavia, but particularly to see those northern lights. Um, I would also take going to Alaska to see the bears and the northern lights. Uh That's another combo I'm very interested in. And
1: then this is bizarre, but because bears, bears.
0: I like bears. (laughs) I like bears (laughs) bears
1: (laughs) and northern lights. You've always liked bears. You feel about bears the way I feel about sea turtles. Yes.
0: Yeah, I like bears. And um, so then the other place I'd like to go where I've never been is Ireland. And I have been reading so many Irish murder mysteries. And so it makes no sense because in all the mysteries, people like die. I mean, don't cross a bridge in Ireland because you're going <laughs> to get pushed into a river. Is all I can tell you. I'm reading Irish murder mysteries or worse, you're going to get buried in a peat bog. That also sounds yeah. like a terrible way to go. But there are all these places now in Ireland that I'd like to see because I've read murder mysteries set in like West Cork, for instance. Oh, is a you know, place I'd funny. like to go. Yeah, and so, so those are my two choices: Northern Lights and Ireland. Those okay. are those are my two choices.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to share, here are some of the, there were many excellent choices in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. So please, you can go read through all of them. You can post your own. I picked out a few that seemed, you know, remember when we went to the Galapagos, we made that reservation like a year and a half in advance. Yes. Yeah. And the advanced thinking, fantasizing, planning, I think is really an element that's important in a fantastic vacation. Yes. You know? It was
0: fun. It was fun yeah. to think about and
1: train for. We had to train yes. for it. So we yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. So Rebecca posted, we promised our daughter that if she survived her very premature birth and all of the complications that came with it, we would take her to Italy one day. Oh. She's 17 and we, we haven't been able to make it happen yet. So she seems very hopeful that someday she, she's going to be able to do that for her daughter, which was, I thought, beautiful.
0: Yes, love that. Now,
1: Beckett, who we know is one of the history chicks, right? Right. Beckett, she, her son, Jet, who she writes about, uh, she said Barcelona. she'd want to go to Barcelona with the child who wants to jump his scooter over all the places he has seen others do online. Apparently there are a lot of videos of scooters <laughs> in Barcelona and that she and her husband, Chris, will just have tapas and clap. So that sounded like a fantasy vacation. Yeah, that's good. Sure, sure. Now,
0: That's Betty, a good organizing principle. Where can you scooter jump? That's good. Yeah. I like it.
1: <laughs> now, Betty, she's in your camp, and She said, my forever fantasy vacation is a cruise to Alaska. I just want to see the eagles and the bears. Okay, okay. Betty. Yeah. Me too. So- So Betty's down with the bears. Now, Sylvia, this was interesting. I thought, okay, domestic travel, this is a good fantasy idea for domestic travel. She said, my husband and I took pandemic-related early retirement in August and have been really hunkered down ever since. Uh, after vaccinating, our first order of business will be to see my 85-year-old parents. So, okay, that's good. The last time she saw them was a year ago Christmas. But since she believes, Sylvia believes that since domestic travel is more likely to be achievable, because as you say, Leah, nobody wants us. Nobody wants us, yeah. She said, we love baseball. Oh. So a tour of Major League Baseball parks may be up next. That seemed like a great idea. Yeah, great. Also a good organizing principle. Excellent. Yeah. 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 She said they're also old world warriors, so just Route 66 is calling to them. <laughs> now here's one in your Ireland category. You might want to mm-hmm. get on board with these sisters, Leanne, because Sherry said, my sister and I were planning on a combination pub slash knitting tour of Ireland before the unpleasantness happened. We might make this happen. And that's not, that sounded so good that people signed up for it right there in the Facebook group. Yvonne, Yvonne said she'll go too. <laughs> and then uh, Karen, I'd go said, as long as I didn't have to knit. Is there? Talk to her. But you enjoy cool. buying sweaters and throws I, and things. I like sweaters. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, so okay. So those were some of the good ones. There were a lot of people that just voted on turtles versus Tucci for me. Okay. Tucci came out way ahead, but people understand the turtles thing. Oh, and mm-hmm. Jennifer, you know, in Maine, she is also in your camp, Leon. She wants to go to Iceland. She's been pre-planning an Iceland trip. You know, are there northern lights in Iceland? Maybe. I think so. Uh, but she said it's on the back burner now till her kids can get vaccinated. So, you know. right? Uh, Judy said she'd go to New Zealand if they'd let her in. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> brenna uh, this one i loved she said she wants to go to quebec in the, in the autumn that her high school french class went there in 1975 and she's wanted to return ever since and you know what brenna i think my high school french class went to quebec in 1975 <laughs> I, swear. I believe it I, yeah all right i mean i went uh, my high school french class went in 1982 yeah yeah, yeah. So Darcy wants to go to Norway. That's where her great-grandparents are from. Becky wants to go to the Swiss Alps. That's where her ancestors are from. Um, Oh, and Christy, this is the last one I'll mention, because we say yes, Christy. Her family dreams has dreamed of going to the Galapagos since seeing an IMAX movie 15 years ago. And Christy, like if you can ever, you know, I know it's a fantasy, but it is like an IMAX movie come to life. So that- yes. That is a good fantasy to have. And it, many, many others there in the Facebook group. So keep dreaming, sisters. Someday. someday. Love it. Liz. Don't know good. when. Don't good, know good segment.
0: When. Good. Love it.
1: Okay. Um, oh, and then I also wanted to mention the, I know we've talked before about a great organizing principle for a vacation is the Olympics. And we had talked up the Tokyo Olympics, right? Yes. And um, so And I know we have listeners who actually bought tickets to the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. That was their big, yeah, and they, oh, yeah, yeah heartbreak. So, right. so we're sorry. So they just announced this week that spectators will not be allowed. And we were talking about it because I really got to say, I really feel for the families of the athletes. Because when you're there... And you're sitting like in Rio. Remember we were sitting like moms and dads and brothers and sisters. And you're sitting with the families of the Olympians that are out there and you feel like they are your family. Right? <laughs> you feel very close to them. You feel yeah. very close to them. It's, I I think one of the things that makes the Olympics so special is that family feeling that so many people in the stands are rooting for a member of their family that's out on the field. So that's so, I'm sad for the families that won't be able to go with their athletes to Tokyo. Remember that one shot putter's
0: mom? She was such a late addition to the team.
1: Yes, yes.
0: They just got out of place. Right? It was, was yeah. Or, yeah, right. They, they didn't even have a place to stay. They no, were, and they didn't have a flag. We gave them our flag. All oh, right. So anyway. that, yeah. Cause yeah. they, yeah, the town had like raised money to get the parents there. And yeah,
1: we, we were part of it. Liz, we were yeah. part of the team. <laughs> we were, we were, uh, we were part of the, the Olympic family, they call it. So I'm just going to make a slightly yeah. self-serving suggestion here because nobody can go to the Olympics next summer in Eugene, Oregon, the World Track and Field Championships will be happening. And you can go to that. You can drive there. Domestic travel, people. And it's so it's next August. The best track meet in the world. The best track and field athletes in the world. It's like the Olympics if it had no other sports but track and field. Yeah. So. Which, as we know, is the best one anyway. So <laughs> just putting the out there. August of 22, the World Track and Field Championships at the New Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon you know, I know I'm on the board and everything. So there you go. But I, re- I recommend it as a fantasy vacation. Good, good idea. Good tip, Liz. Get on it. Get on it. Tickets haven't even gone on sale yet, Liam. They'll go on sale this summer. So everyone has time.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you, Liz. I think you've done your work as, uh, as a member of the board. No, <laughs> Sounds wonderful. All right. Coming up, we're going to be talking to our cousin, Hannah Kirshner. Now, Hannah is the I think she's technically our second cousin. She's the daughter of our cousin. We're just going to go with cousin. Cousin is better. Yes. Because she's a grown woman. It's not like she's a small child. So so she's a writer and artist and a food stylist whose work has appeared in the New York Times and Vogue and Savor for Food 52. Uh, And she's the author of a brand new book that comes out today called Water, Wood, and Wild Things. Uh, It's fun because Hannah grew up in a small farm town right outside of Seattle, the town where they filmed Twin Peaks. Okay, so if you're a Twin Peaks fam, that's where she she went, that she grew up, and then she went to Rhode Island School of Design, and now she lives in both Brooklyn and rural Japan, and we're going to hear all about her experiences, having experiences with these wonderful artisans in rural Japan. So stay with us. That's Hannah Kirshner, Water, Wood, and Wild Things. But first, we're going to hear from some sponsors. Sign up today at butcherbox.com/sisters and use code Sisters to choose your free-for-year offer. Plus, get twenty dollars off your first order. Thanks, Butcherbox. We're the Satellite Sisters. We're back, Liz. We are excited to welcome back to Satellite Sisters a relative, a cousin. If you yes. will, mm-hmm. Hannah Kirshner is here. She is joining us from her home in Japan. Our new book, Water, Wood, and Wild Things, is out today. Today is the pub date. Hannah, welcome
2: back to Satellite Sisters. Thank you. I'm so excited that I get to celebrate my book launch with you.
0: <laughs> we are too. I mean, we already raved about the book in the last segment, but just congratulations. Congratulations. It's a beautiful book. What well, I Thank mean, you must be very pleased. Are you pleased?
2: Yeah, you know, the thing that I'm most excited about the book is, a, is about the town of Yamanaka, where I'm living now, and all the people that were part of the book, whose stories are in the book, they're so excited, and that makes me happier than anything. <laughs> That's so great.
1: You know, the book is like pandemic perfect in the sense that it's so contemplative and so beautiful. And so much of it is about appreciation of small things and handmade things and, you know, things that artisans can do with their own hands and their own imaginations. It just seems perfect for the time, Hannah. It's beautiful.
2: I'm glad. I'm glad. And then hopefully soon we'll all be able to travel again. We can daydream about that meanwhile. (laughs) Yes. That's I, Today We had
0: a different appreciation of the book because of the pandemic. Yeah. Because we've well, all been forced to do so many things at home.
2: <laughs> yeah. And you know, the book is about Yamanaka and it is a very special place, but I really kind of hoped that part of what people would take away is that like, if you look closely wherever you are, that each, every place has its own unique and interesting culture. Mm -hmm. You know, tell us
0: a little bit about Yamanaka. See, now I just want to go there. And I feel like I know (laughs) everyone that lives there, thanks to your beautiful book. So what's spring like there? Is it spring yet? Are you? Yeah,
2: spring is here. So I've been eating lots of wild vegetables that the town is in actually, Yamanaka means in the mountains, and it is literally in the mountains. It's in Ishikawa Prefecture, so the Sea of Japan side of Japan, about 30 minutes inland from the coast, up in the mountains. It's this little hot spring town with the Daishoji River on one side, and, and it's basically in this little river valley. So, um, surrounded on all sides by mountains. So pretty
1: much. You know know what I couldn't believe Hannah is when you wrote that it has been a tourist destination for 1300 years. Yeah. Because because of the hot springs.
2: That that just
1: really stuck in my imagination.
2: That's amazing. Right. And because it's sort of isolated Geographically, you would imagine it to be also sort of culturally isolated because of that long history of tourism. It has this long history of exchange also, like um, sailors coming in to take their rest, you know, after going on the merchant ships up and down the coast, coming in to rest at the onsen or monks traveling here because the onsen, the hot spring is sort of like physical retreat and also has a sort of spiritual connotation too. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to talk about how you ended up in that little town, but I just wanted to start with where your appreciation of all things Japanese started. Like why Japan? Because I know personally, a lot of people that are not Japanese, you know, in heritage but are absolutely fascinated by Japan, have studied the language, have worked there, have lived there, and and that's sort of what you've been through. Where did it start and why Japan?
2: You know, it's hard to pinpoint where it started because as you know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in this small town outside of Seattle, and the West Coast and especially the Pacific Northwest has this long history of immigration um, from Asia, from Japan in particular. Um, so, you know, in in the process of writing the book, this is, the history isn't really in the book, but it was something I felt that I needed to learn more about. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's been such a profound influence on the culture of Seattle. Um, I mean, I'm talking about Japan and Japanese culture specifically, because that's what I write about in the book. And you see that in the architecture, and gardens, and food in Seattle, and the Seattle area. Um, But this history, of course, is also wound up with the oppression, and violence, and injustices against these communities, which right now we're so reminded of how present that still is. So whether it's the Chinese Exclusion Act, or the internment of Japanese Americans, which are things that I think I only like vaguely learned about in school, I felt that I needed to go back and educate myself more about those things. And I think I didn't know as much about um, like also the sort of um, not just like the historical events in the sense of like government sanctioned things, but just individual and mob violence and uh, and like vandalism and things like this too. So, um,
0: So you steeped yourself in both sort of the history and then also present day Japan and the crafts and the culture there. So that kind of came together for you.
2: Yeah. And like the, the food especially, I think was a connection for me. Like even in our small town supermarket in North Bend, we could get udon and yakisoba. And so those were foods that I grew up with. And then in high school, I spent a lot of time in the Kinokuniya bookstore in Seattle, the Japanese bookstore, and really got interested in contemporary Japanese art. So then when I went to art school. I decided like, okay, I need to learn Japanese and I need to go there someday. So that was sort of the beginning. Okay. That's cool.
0: And once you learn the language, it opens up a lot. So I'm,
2: are you? would you consider yourself fluent now? No, c- conversational, but not fluent. I'm okay. still working on it. It's a process. I mean, and especially, I'm still basically illiterate. I've been working on it, but there's two different phonetic alphabets plus the Chinese characters that were adopted into the Japanese language. So. It's, it's a lot.
1: Well, good for you so, for making the effort, Hannah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a critical. I have yeah. to. Yeah.
1: So, so is yeah.
0: that tea ceremony? I mean, that's endless. You've been studying that for like five years.
2: So. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's again, that's just the beginning. I mean, part of what I loved so much about learning tea ceremony and sort of seeing this mentality elsewhere in people's work in Yamanaka is the idea that it's a path, it's not a destination, it's not something you just master and you're done with, but it's like lifelong learning. So the
0: book is about you moving there, you completely embracing this town, you having these experiments, experiences to learn all of these different kind of. Is crafts even the right word? What what is it? Is it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I still struggle with that too. When people ask me about the book, it's it's all the things that are made, grown, and gathered in the town. I mean, not to sound too academic about it, but it's like the material culture of the town. Basically, I mean, the, the sections of the book: water, wood, wild things from the title. And then also cultivation is the last section. It's like the essential things that define the culture of Yamanaka and then the stories of the people making them. When you
0: arrived in Yamanaka, was it your, um, was it your intent to have these experiences and then write about it? Or did you start, you know, studying sake making and, and studying the (laughs) Japanese, I like the Japanese dance. (laughs) chapter in particular
1: (laughs) how do i i well i like to dance so that made me laugh that you were there you just you saw the flyer and just signed up for it yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah, i saw the flyer and then i learned from the it it was called culture class and uh i learned from the local which is the word they prefer rather than geisha um the the local folk dance so yeah um, but yeah so okay so my first my entry into Yamanaka was that through a friend of a friend I came and apprenticed in this sake bar here for a couple months and at that time I was thinking like maybe I wanted to write a cookbook about Japan or something and just thought like that would be a good way into learning about Japanese food culture with some more depth and from an interesting angle so then working at the bar I mean it's also a community hub so I met all these different interesting people, farmers, craftspeople, artists. And so the first couple experiences that became part of the book happened kind of organically through friendships I made during that time. The okay. Wood Turner, Takehito Nakashima, and the um, paper artist, Mika Horie. Then but I got to once-
1: say, Hannah, wait a minute. First of oh, all, yeah. when you say you were an apprentice in the bar, it's not like, that was a job, right? I mean, it was sort of created for you in, the, in this organic fashion, as you say. In a yeah. lot of these examples, you just talk yourself into situations or work on these people for months so that you can study with them, watch what they do. and But it's not like they have... Open apprenticeships. That you...
2: No, no, these aren't like. Yeah, no, it's not like I went and like signed up for these apprenticeships. Yeah. Like you wheedled they, your way in. I, I was <laughs> invited, or like, yeah. Once I decided that I was going to write the book after those first few experiences, and I sort of had the idea of the structure of the book in the mind, in, in my mind, then I sought out people that I felt would um mm-hmm. represent all these things that I wanted to write about, and um had to gain their trust and make them yeah. feel that like they they wanted to open up their world and their work to me and I'm so incredibly grateful that they did and
1: yeah and was there anyone be-
2: that just said like no way white girl that's where
0: worth- <laughs> <laughs> Was there anyone very suspicious
2: of you um <laughs> I think maybe a lot of people started out that way. Okay, good. Oh, okay, yeah. I tell—I mean, I tell the story in the book of the sake brewery. So first, I worked in the sake bar, and then later, there's a chapter about working in the sake brewery, actually making sake. And there were several occasions where I was out with friends and met the sake brewer, and everybody was drinking, and he said, "Yeah, sure, come visit my sake brewery." And then, um, and then in the morning once he'd sobered up was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. We can't have visitors. But what finally convinced him was that the wood turner, Takehito Nakashima said, oh, actually Hannah's, you can trust Hannah. Like I'd already, I'd already worked with him learning about his work. And so he vouched for me. And that was actually how a lot of things happened. Um, like, I mean, I think it's true anywhere that opportunities come through connections, through people, you know, through somebody vouching for you. But it's especially true in Japan and especially in rural Japan. So, that can make it really difficult in the beginning when you don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. But it also means that once you do know people, once you're trusted, once you're part of a community, that suddenly all these doors open up. Mm-hmm. They have secrets to
1: protect some of these artisans, right? You even say in the book in several places where like, well, then he taught me this secret thing, which I'm not putting in the book because I need to protect (laughs) his secret.
2: Yeah. Although often it was very funny too. Somebody would be like, okay, now I'm going to show you my top secret technique. And then I noticed they were showing a lot of people their top (laughs) secret techniques. Well, one
0: thing that struck me over and over again was uh, as you moved through these different experiences from, you know, boar hunting. I mean, we're not even doing it justice. It was endless (laughs) what you were learning and trying and working at for months, years at a time. It just struck me that people in Yamanaka seem to have a lot of time on their hands. I mean, everything they do is so precise and so thorough and thoughtful so much time Hannah I think at one point even one of your friends from New York was like how do you have time to take a bath every day who has the time <laughs> to do that you know
2: what is yeah. the secret where do they I, get the time where is the I'm time st- coming from I'm still trying to figure it out because I feel like everybody I know here works just as hard as the sort of fast-paced competitive work culture of New York where I've been li- living for you know the past decade or so but they seem to also be so much more relaxed and like have time to like take a two-hour lunch to meet with a friend or like take the day off to show somebody around who's visiting town. And and I don't know. I it's I think it's just partly just a different mentality. I mean, maybe some of it is that it's a small town and and most people, rather than working for a company, they either own their own business or they're an artisan, or there are also a lot of people that work in hospitality. But um, Yeah, it's just a a very different pace of life, and it doesn't mean people are working any less hard, but it does just, there's like the feeling that there's more time.
1: Well, they definitely have an appreciation for slowness, right? And so many of the arts and crafts are about doing it slowly, taking your time, like you say about the tea ceremonies, years and years and years of learning that and that it's a process, not an end result. So that's an entirely different view of time.
2: Yeah. And it's like, also, I, one thing I found really interesting in a lot of these workshops is that the best way to do something isn't always the most efficient way. But, it, but then the other hand, they're not just like stuck in the past. So like, if there is a new tool or a new technology that actually makes it better, they'll use that. But sometimes, even if something is less efficient, there's like, value, whether it's an emotional value in doing it by hand or like it makes the product very slightly better than it's worth doing Okay.
0: I was mesmerized
2: by all the stories of the baths
0: and the spas and the showers because it's a spa town. So describe what that's like, because you said a lot of the houses and apartments there, they don't even have showers in their homes. People go to these communal baths. And after reading your book, I want to go to the communal (laughs) bath and have the grandmothers there tell me how to soap up. That
2: sounds great. (laughs) It's the best. So, so yeah, as, as you, pointed out at the beginning this is a hot spring town it's an onsen means hot spring but the onsen is also the public bath so in this case um it used to be that almost every town every neighborhood in japan had its public bath and that's where you went instead of taking a bath in your house and that's disappeared in most places but um here it is very much still sort of the social hub of the town. Um, so yeah you go in and you store your your clothes in a locker there's men separate men's and women's baths and you store your clothes in a locker and then you go in and there's like shower stations where you soap up and clean and wash your hair and then there's a huge pool um that you soak in that's the hot natural hot spring water and so the whole place is just like full of steam and the sort of smell of like the minerally hot spring water and um Yeah. Grandma's gossiping. It's really, it's really lovely. And it's, it's just, it's so meditative. It's such a nice ritual of self-care that's part of most, many people's everyday life. And has that all remained open during COVID? It has. So Yamanaka has had zero cases of COVID-19 so far, or at least zero known cases. And the onsen is just so critical to people's daily life that it's just hard to imagine it closing. So, yeah, people here. I mean, because there hasn't been any cases, people here are not that nervous. So, they put their, you know, take their mask off and put it in their locker. And then, I suppose once you go inside, like there's so much steam in the air that it'd be pretty hard for anything to travel through the air. Um, hmm. We're so, not scientists. We're not scientists. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. Is that? We don't true? know how hard it is. <laughs> but.
0: Anyway,
2: don't. well, no, they say humidity. Uh, anyway, well, yes, we're not, okay. I'm not a
0: scientist. I just, it. Okay. I, am sure you're correct. I just, I, I just want to make. I don't want <laughs> yeah. people to quote us. Right,
2: <laughs> right, right. We, right. we just right. did a whole
0: section on fantasy right. vacations where <laughs> we also told people, but do what you want.
2: Please read the, re- listen to what professionals say. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Listen to the scientists. But anyway, I suppose it is probably you know, a relatively low risk and, and many people are still going to the onsen every day.
0: What do you think you've learned there that you'll practice forever? Is there something that's particularly, you know, just swept you away? I mean, you were in as you were a a well-known cook before and recipe developer and food stylist. So before this whole experience, was there anything that you've learned there that you're like, okay, I'm sticking with this?
2: it really, like, seeing how, how much care people put into their work kind of made me ashamed of how, like, hurried and sloppy I am sometimes. <laughs> okay, Slapdash. Slapdash is the way to go. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it made me really think about, like, um, just putting more intention into my work and especially the parts of the work that are less glamorous, like um, the preparation or the tidying, that kind of thing, that, like, that deserves care too um and then also just writing a book i mean it was it's my first book and i loved the process i'm i just i'm kind of endlessly curious about things so it's about the best job in the world for getting to just be curious and learn about stuff and then figure out how to convey that to other people
1: the book no you write about you write about the tidying and i i remember that too that you said in some of these was it in the bar where you were working or the, I forget exactly, but that the, the, the boss is as active in the tidying or the teachers are helping to clean the bathrooms or that the act of. Oh yeah.
2: I think it came up a a lot. Like, Yeah. yeah. Like the sake brewery, you know, the boss is just, is doing the supposedly menial labor right along with everybody else in the, in the sake bar, yeah, like he cleans the bathroom with as much care as he serves the sake. Like it might not be his favorite part of the job. I'm sure it's not, but it's still, he still does it with care. And then tea ceremony also, the preparation before the guests come and the tidying up that they don't see, like that's, that has just as much ritual to it as the actual serving of the tea.
1: Yeah. I'd have a hard time adopting that part of it, I think, but you know. <laughs> That's, well, well you too, have a which is of, why it was
0: such good practice for me. Yes.
1: <laughs> you have
0: a lot of small dishes, Liz. At least you <laughs> bought small dishes. So good for you. You're halfway there. Thank um, you, Lee. Yes. <laughs> Hannah, we should mention to people who haven't seen the book that the book is also filled with recipes and drawings. Are yeah. How did you think about those when you included them? Are they part of the
2: storytelling? They're definitely part of the storytelling. And the recipes, like some of them are meant to let you bring a little piece of Yamanaka into your kitchen but some of them are not that practical they're for very local recipes that you know you might not find the ingredients for in the US but it's still interesting i think to know how they're made and and that they're they're part of the storytelling part of capturing this place and the illustrations too i um i i did all the drawings and was doing those simultaneously with writing so um, I f to me, they're really an integral part of the storytelling. Yeah, it just carries you along. Again, it's just part of the experience of reading it,
0: that you're transported somewhere. So even yeah. if you're never going to make like Boer, Bolognese, which I'm not uh, going to make, but <laughs> I read the whole recipe several times and I was fascinated by the introduction of boar and meat into the Japanese culture. It's a relatively yeah. new thing. I had no idea. I did not know that. Well,
2: they're new and old. So yeah, it used to be that people, that game was more part of people's diets and then um, it kind of got stigmatized and then now is becoming cool again.
0: Well, you had a lot of board to cook there for a while. Oh, I sure <laughs> did
2: when I was following along with the hunters, more, more than I could ever want.
1: <laughs> Lee, and I think you and, should take on this sake ice cream. I think sake casu ice cream, I'm looking at, like, it's, it's probably really good. in your backyard in Pasadena. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was
0: interested in, like, the pickled toro, is that right? Taro, pickled taro? Oh, yeah, the stems of the taro, yeah. I feel yeah. like I could find that here in Los Angeles. I could find it. Yeah, you
2: probably here. could. Yeah, you yeah. could. Pr- the one they use here is red. And so the pickles have this really beautiful rosy pink color. But the green taro stems um, you can find in the U.S. I've seen them in Asian markets and Caribbean markets. And I, yeah, I, I bet you're right that they're in some farmer's market. Okay, I have a. Well, idea. okay, you've
1: made us all want to go to Japan right. to cook Japanese, <laughs> understand these fine arts better. That's what is so com- contemplative and beautiful about the book. It's a. It feels like a total experience, Hannah.
2: Thank you. I'm glad.
0: Okay, we've we're gonna we've been asking people about their fantasy vacation spots for post COVID. So uh, uh-huh. I know you're splitting your time between Brooklyn and Japan, but is there some place when it's safe to travel again that you would love to travel?
2: Oh, I've been dying to go to Thailand. So yeah, I got married, uh, I think it's five years ago now and we still haven't gone on a honeymoon and we were thinking like 2020 would finally be the year. So oh um, <laughs> um, maybe 2022, we'll go to Thailand and finally have a honeymoon. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining
0: us today. The book is Water, Wood, and Wild Things. It is out today, so you can find it. We always have links to our books at satellitesisters.com or at bookshop.org. Um, Hannah, you have a couple of other events, plans for your tour?
2: Any, and Are you excited about it? I'm, ve- I'm very excited. I get to talk to Brian Washington at Books Are Magic on the 25th. And then after that, um, the following week, I'll be at Elliott Bay Book Company in Seattle with t- talking to John Maeda. And when I say at Elliott Bay Book Company, of course, I mean on Zoom.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, you're thing a, is you're in your closet.
2: Anywhere in the world.
1: <laughs> you're in your closet like but, the yeah, rest of us.
2: I'll be in my closet. And so, and yeah, so HannahKirschner.com is my website and it's all listed there. Great. Thank you, Hannah. Hey, thank you, Hannah. Congratulations. Congratulations.
1: It's beautiful. Thank you,
2: and congratulations on your paperback of the book. That's so exciting, Leanne. Woo! Thank you. Uh, uh, Everybody buy Leanne's book, too. (laughs) Okay, how do we say goodbye in Japanese? Uh, Well, if we're being casual, we would just say, like, (laughs) Matane. Okay. All right. Well, this Sounds is very good. casual. We're casual. You're in a closet. Yeah.
0: We're in closets. We're casual. Yeah.
2: Yeah. sayonara is a little, a little formal and final sounding. So I'll just say matane. Okay. Thanks, Thank you. Anna. Thank you so much. This is really great.
0: Liz and Lee here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow! Do we, we love Osea skin and body care. And you know what? And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off.
1: Thanks, Osea. Okay, Leanne, as long as we're talking about people's fantasies coming true, like traveling in your mind to something you've always wanted to do, Let's talk about the live Satellite Sisters event on Sunday, April 11th, which everyone can participate in from the comfort of their own home. That's right. (laughs) It's the Satellite Sisters 20th anniversary taking place here in our 21st year. So it's happening, people. The tickets are on sale at the 6th and I site. 6th and I is the gorgeous facility that will be hosting us, even though we won't be able to actually be there. But the simplest way to get to the ticket sales on uh, our website, SatelliteSisters.com. Leon, you put that big thing right on the homepage. Just click go. right here for tickets, right? Could not be easier.
0: Right. That's it. It's 12 bucks. And a premium ticket is $75. And that gets you a ticket and a creamy pashmina. <laughs> <laughs> creamy, you know, a cashmere pashmina yeah. embroidered yeah. with the solid gold satellite sister, mm-hmm. uh, just embroidery in gold. Liz, mm-hmm. it's exciting that we're yeah. offering that premium package.
1: Yeah. If you click through on that ticket link, you get to see Lian modeling the pashmina. So it's worth clicking on just for that, you know. We tried to think of something that would be warm and cozy and would make you feel like your satellite sisters are putting your our arms around you. We can't be together, but that's what the job the Pashmina is going to do. <laughs> but anyway, regular tickets twelve bucks. Come on, 12 bucks. yeah, twelve bucks. So Liz, I have
0: to say I don't think we thought we might sell out. You know, but- we did a we did a pre sale, but we didn't. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. you know what? We might sell out. So. <laughs> So people should get tickets if they're interested.
1: Well, now you're hell bent to sell out. Now that you know it's even a possibility. Yeah. We're going for it, sisters and misters. So as part of getting everyone psyched, we've added a pre-event to the event. So I just want to tell you about this. We are bringing back our family mixologist, Leon's son, Colin. Right, Leon, your son, Colin. Yes. As He has agreed he's going to make up a special cocktail for us called the solid gold satellite sister and we're going to have, there will be an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic version and because we want you to be able to like get that party feel when we're all together on sunday april 11th we're going to do a pre-party on friday april 9th live in the facebook group the satellite sisters facebook group where colin is going to teach us how to make the cocktail yeah it'll be great I Got it. yeah it's we're like building. We we're building. Yeah, we're building up the excitement. Uh, so that's going to happen at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Friday, April 9th. Just you know, if you're in the Facebook group, you'll see it. If not, you can join. Anyway, we're just we just want to get everyone. We want everyone to be as excited as we are because we are so happy that we are finally going to be able to all be together, all five satellite sisters the great people of Sixth and I, and welcome you all together for an hour of, well, what do we say, leigh We say hilarity ensues, right? (laughs) Hilarity ensues. That's our family phrase.
0: (laughs) Okay. So for tickets, again, go to SatelliteSisters.com and click on the graphic and that will take you through to the ticketing, uh, which is not on our website. It's over there at Sixth and I. Yeah. I also want to mention Liz that the paperback version of The Sweeney Sisters is coming out April 6th. So a lot happening in April. Yes. Um
1: congratulations this- by the way. That's very exciting.
0: Thank you. Yeah, no, exciting a little bit of a surprise. I didn't know it was coming out quite this early, so that's why I need your help, Satellite Sisters street team. <laughs> if you're ready to take it on, if you read the book and you enjoyed it and you could help me spread the word. I would appreciate that so much uh the you know the book i means a lot to me and it came out right as the pandemic started last year and all the bookstores in america were were closed and i would just love the opportunity for the sweeney sisters to meet more people things are more open now mm-hmm. bookstores are open again people are cranking people hopefully will be able to sit at a beach and read this summer and it's a perfect summer read for that so if you love the book and would like to tell your friends i i can't appreciate appreciate that more. You can find it. It's available for pre-order now. It'd be great to pre-order some copies. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for asking. It would be great. (laughs) So that's also very helpful. But I appreciate all the help Satellite Sisters have given me in the past. Just one more mission Satellite Sisters stream
1: team to spread the word about the the Sweeney (laughs) Sisters. It's a pleasure to spread the word. The book is so fun. And here we are. It'll be April. Remember, you know, you're looking for your best beach bag books. You're getting ready for a summer vacation. This is it. Number one on the best beach bag book list for sure. So uh, it's a pleasure to support the book, Liam. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Okay. All right. So um, all right. So now we're at Entertaining Sisters, and we thought sticking with our travel theme, uh, we would talk about things that are travel related. And I have two, two TV shows, again, as we've established, been spending a lot of time laying in bed. And I think on a previous episode, I explained and talked me into putting a TV in my bedroom, which I didn't have. So I'm really watching a lot of different kinds of things. But so here are two slightly wacky shows that I would like to recommend. The first is called Escape to the Chateau. Have you heard about this one, Leon? It's starting to I've get heard hard about fun. it, but I haven't seen it. Okay, it's nutty. It's a nutty British show. So it was made in the UK, and it's about this couple who decides what they want to do is buy a totally ramshackle chateau. Derelict is the actual word that's used in the press material. <laughs> so a derelict. 19th century chateau in the Loire Valley which okay there's your fantasy vacation right there this thing has 45 rooms it's got a moat it's got an orangery it's got all these outbuildings and they decide these two wacky Brits uh, to move there with their two little kids the place has no electricity no sewerage no heating and there are a lot of There are a lot of seasons right now, but in season one, they basically move into this ramshackle chateau and think, okay, well, let's start fixing it up. So you're seeing an actual renovation project, but you're also seeing a whole life fantasy start to come together because the husband just is like an engineer and wants to fix everything and invent everything. So he's going crazy. The wife wants to transform this into a destination wedding venue, Liam. So, wow. So she's doing kind of all of that, but I'll just say this. The reason I find it entertaining, she's not working on any of the things that I would be working on if I was trying to turn it into a destination wedding venue, because she's focused on things like the big, I don't know, a unicorn for the front hall. She spends a lot of emotional energy getting like a unicorn. Um, there's a lot of stenciling going on, even though there are no working bathrooms at this mm. place. You know, okay. So she likes the decorative arts. So there's a lot of decorating going on and struggling with some of the more practical aspects. Anyway, so there are many seasons. It's very entertaining, especially if you like home renovation shows. This is like the home reno to beat all home renos. So, so I recommend that. Now it's on a place, I think, the place where we can only see it in America is on this thing called Peacock. Do you even know what this is? Oh, this is the NBC streaming service. Yes.
0: We've been forced to get it because that's where all the Premier League games are.
1: Yes. So yes. Under
0: duress, we we
1: yes. subscribed
0: again to another one. Oh, but it's but no, there. It's free.
1: Okay. It's free. Peacock. Oh, it's free. free. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So that's the one good thing about Peacock, the NBC. Oh. Stream- Services that it's free, so you can download it. You can subscribe, and you'll be able to find Escape to the Chateau there. So, and uh, and in subsequent seasons, which I haven't seen yet, I guess we see a lot more of these destination weddings. So apparently, they made it happen, Leanne. That's you okay. Know, I can't wait to see how that unicorn is put to use. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the other thing, much more along the lines of what we were just talking to Hannah about. There is a great Netflix series called Midnight Diner Tokyo Stories. And this is a, these are the stories, it's like little character-driven vignettes of a diner in the Shinjuku neighborhood in Tokyo that opens at midnight and closes at 7 a.m., and each episode focuses on a particular customer and a particular Japanese dish. The deal at this diner is, he's only got one thing on the menu, but he will make whatever you want, if you ask, and he has the ingredients. So mm. it's not really a food, ch- I can't even, even trying to explain what it's like, it's not gonna work. Because it's very, It's like these small little human dramas with a little bit of food in there. And it's, you know, the the amazing thing about Japan, I've been there, Every time I've been to Japan, you're just amazed that like one minute you're in like the 23rd century and then you turn a block and you're in the 8th century. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many just little ancient nooks and crannies and that's what this diner feels like. So anyway, I recommend that. It's there are multiple seasons there. They're small, simple. Very unique stories and that is on Netflix. It's called Midnight Diner Tokyo Stories. Really a feel for Japanese culture, Japanese work culture, Japanese food. I'm really enjoying that. Watched quite a few episodes last night. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. laying in bed. <laughs> <laughs> so it, that's
0: hmm? it's the comforter lifestyle list. You're
1: enjoying it. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> So those are my, my two recommendations, Escape to the Chateau and Midnight Diner Tokyo Stories. All right. I wanted to recommend a couple of Cookbooks. Uh, I
0: love well-written cookbooks, cookbooks that focus on a particular cuisine and kind of take you places and then give you history or story about the cuisine. I I like to actually read cookbooks. And so I love these two cookbooks. One is from one of my favorite blogs. Uh, Remember blogs? Well, they still exist, Liz. Uh, The Forest Feast, um, which is just a really charming site by an artist and a cook named Erin Gleason, and they live in so they live in a little uh, cabin in California. And she sort of started this, you know, about ten years ago, just to kind of kill the time while they relocated to this to this little cabin. And now it's taken off. So she 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 creates vegetarian meals because she's been a vegetarian her whole life, and then she does beautiful like drawings and everything, and paintings and watercolor and everything's laid out beautiful so I love the website anyway the forest feast but her latest cookbook is called the forest feast mediterranean and so she takes she took her little adorable family on a three-month tour of Spain Portugal and Italy in 2019 and so the cookbook is a travel log and it's photos and it's watercolors and it's delicious vegetarian recipes from that part of the world so I highly recommend recommend all her books or even just visiting her site the forest feast
1: because it's beautiful that sounds great
0: yeah and then the second one is Dinner in French by Melissa Clark. Now, Melissa Clark is the super popular New York Times columnist who does a good appetite and she also does the video series that the kids love, Liz. So her latest cookbook that came out last March was called Dinner in French, which is fun because it's contemporary, it's a contemporary take on French cooking, but there's lots of beautiful photos of Paris and French food and radishes and, you know, she, she She just has a wonderful way of writing and talking about food and you know she's already had best selling cookbooks but this is just beautiful to look at so if you've been if you've been wanting to go to paris but you know who knows when we're going to be let back in europe again just pick up dinner in french uh recipes for a a way what is my recipes by way of france is the subtitle of the book so yeah beautiful photography it just kind of takes you it takes you to Paris. It's just lovely. So, those are my two
1: recommendations. Okay. Well, now we're up to the thank you part of the show. And I want to put in a special thank you this week to Satellite Sister Carolyn Peterson. Now, she's in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. And in December, she posted this message Spent the evening with our pod making window stars. And then, and she posted a gorgeous picture of the window stars that she had made. And many, many of you admired her window stars and uh, and noted that. Leanne, you commented on how beautiful. Yes, I remember this post now. Yes, yes. So after my accident, Carolyn sent me two window stars oh my gosh and a little kit to make one of my own oh you gotta do that Liz. so that's what i was thinking that's what i was thinking in it especially because today we mentioned like the artisanal paper artists and hannah's books so i'm going to be channeling a little bit, bit of that vibe carolyn i, I know you <laughs> sent these to me in january but i don't get to the mailbox much anymore <laughs> so I really just opened them a few like a couple of weeks ago anyway um I just wanted to thank you for thinking of me they are beautiful and uh that is actually you know jumping ahead to my to-do list that's what's on my to-do list this weekly and it's okay just putting up the two stars that Carolyn made for me might be a little while before I make one worthy of putting up there you go all right. Uh, we would like to thank
0: a couple of people who helped us put our show together. Big thanks to Sergio Enriquez. Um, I, I really botched a lot of those ads. So I'd like to no. thank Sergio <laughs> for piecing them together. So it was a long production day for me today. Yes. And We're recording this actually Monday afternoon because that's how what time worked with Hannah in Japan. And, um, and I think the 22 takes on the ritual ad, I think I proved it. <laughs> <laughs> than I. so thank you Sergio we'd also like to thank Emily Loudermilk who does our graphics and she just picks out such wonderful things it just makes us laugh every time she sends us the graphics from the show she does wonderful work big thanks to Emily we'd like to thank our advertisers particularly this week for hanging in with us and, and don't, don't no comments I think we did a fine job on the ads we advertisers. did yes yeah. We always yes. do
1: that. We always do. That's why our sponsors are so loyally and we support okay. them. They support us. Mm-hmm. And, and we
0: love the products and mm-hmm. that helps. Yes. Yes. Ritual, Third Love, Linen, and Harry's. Thank you so much. We appreciate your support. All right. So Liz, you're going to be crafting window stars, yes. which if you, you think take of me a- as
1: becoming a paper artisan, Leanne, <laughs> inspired by the Japanese yeah. spirit from, yeah. uh, from Hannah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, my to-do list is just, I have to go back to the writing. I have to, it's exciting to have a paperback coming out, but I know I keep saying my to-do list is to revise my next book, but my to-do list continues to be to revise my next book. (laughs) (laughs) So I am very close to turning it back into my editor. So that's good news, but I need to push on through. The next two weeks will be an intense two weeks of work so I can get, um, get a get a version of the manuscript back to my editor so that is my plan okay. so wow.
1: that's it and one book right after the other amazing impressive
0: <laughs> thank you liz thank you
1: yeah. and you've and you've got these women who are saving the world that are <sighs> getting their message out you got a lot on your plate and yeah. we're doing
0: the satellite sisters live event and yeah. we, we do yeah. we have a lot going on we have a yeah. lot going on we do. and, I'm happy and it's you. fun it's all yep. fun okay. yeah all right julie we'll be back next week so liz have a great week You too, Liam. And don't forget, call your satellite system.